Welcome back to the Hollow Sky Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Steven. And Kyle. And happy Monday, Hollow Cult. Hope everybody is doing well and getting this week kicked off correct. Uh, we got uh, something different. Got an interview with our new friend, Eric Salaji from the Uncomfortable Podcast. He's going to tell us about uh, his whole life of weirdness, what led him in to the paranormal pod world. And he might have some connections to some old friends of ours. So should be a banger, Hollow Cult. Before we do that, I'm going to get through all of our business. So check us out at all social medias, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Reddit, and be sure to come over and hang out at the Discord, bang in place. If you have a paranormal experience you'd like to share for a future show, Kyle's got some information and it's also in the show notes. You can call or text the Holophone, which is going to be 1618-556-0837. You can write your story out or record it on your voice memo apps or however you want to do it. Shoot that over to the email, which is going to be holoskypodcast at gmail.com. If you want to schedule some interviews, you can send that over to holoskyinterviews at gmail.com. Other than that, content creators, just get a hold of us. We'll set something up. Word. Uh, we're just going to get right into it today. Skip all... Skip all the normal stuff, and we're going to throw it right to Eric. So uh, let everybody know where they can find your show and just hop into it. Hey, Steve. Hey, Kyle. Man, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. Same, for this. dude. Same. I've been, I've been looking forward to this uh, all week. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Uncomfortable Podcast, you can get it on. Uh, you can hear it anywhere you hear Hollow Sky or any of the other big shows, uh, Spotify, Apple, Pod, you know, uh, cast, caster, cast those, cast this, cast that, cast everything, <laughs> cast it this way, cast it that way. It's, it's on all of them. Um, just coming up on about two years, uh, February 14th will be my two year anniversary, uh, just over, just over a hundred shows and man, I'm loving life right now. I, this is, awesome. uh, just a, God, this is a, what a banger way to, to do an extra job, man, doing what you love. Um, I love talking about this kind of stuff. I've been into it my entire life. I mean, yeah, you know, honestly, um, I was absolutely obsessed with UFOs at the age of five and it's like, ah, oh, how do you know it was five? You know? And it's like, well, I've got something that I can prove that it was five because, um, in 1970, I'm 57 years old in 1970, there was a, a documentary released to the theaters that was called, um, it was by Eric Van Donneken's uh, Chariots of the Gods. It was a book that he had written and they turned it into a pseudo documentary movie. And that came out in 1970. I was born in 65. I begged and pleaded with my parents to take me to see that damn movie and they wouldn't do it. So one day when my grandma was babysitting me, I convinced her to take me to see it. <laughs> And she ended up falling asleep in the seat beside me as I'm watching this show about these crop circles and the, and the, uh, the Nazca lines and all this stuff. And I'm, I can remember looking over at her and being like, how can you be sleeping through this? This stuff is great. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that it started off with, you know, being crazy about UFOs at five years old, probably about seven is when I started getting into the, the Bigfoot. um, Loch Ness Monster was a big thing for me back then. Uh, the Bermuda Triangle was was huge. And, you know, just as the years have gone by, 
none of it left me. Um, you know, I kind of got over the Bermuda Triangle. It's still weird, but there's been some pretty good, uh, pretty good explanations as far as what they think is happening. As far as the boats, anyway, it doesn't really explain the uh, the the missing planes. But you know, there's supposedly some kind of a a gas release that happens in that area of the the Bermuda Triangle that releases a bunch of real small bubbles rather than big bubbles. And then it can end up capsizing the boat and stuff like that. makes a lot of sense. And they've recreated it in big, big tanks. Um, so I, I kind of buy into that. Um, Bigfoot for me is still a huge one. I am, I am firmly, firmly rooted in the belief that these things are, are in existence and that they are way more, uh, way more, uh, in way more places than what people just think. It's not just the Pacific Northwest. It's not just in the, uh, the mountains, uh, you know, the Yeti up in the, uh, the Tibetan mountains. They're, they're everywhere. Literally like every country has them. So Bigfoot's a big thing for me. UFOs, you know, I mean, they've come out and admitted it now. So you know, it only How took them it only Crazy took him 70 years from, you know, first admitting it to recanting the story to, you know, now again, there's something in our skies that we don't know what the hell it is. So I, I thought it was really uh, kind of strange that they decided to to do that soft disclosure right during the uh, the peak of the pandemic. You know, that what was, a what a strategic, what a strategic way to, timing. Absolutely. What a way to, to let something get out that, uh, was overshadowed by something way bigger at the time. Absolutely. So, you know, it just, it, it's something that's never left me. Uh, you know, when I was married, I'm sure my, my ex-wife probably got annoyed with everything that I watched on TV was either ancient aliens or a Bigfoot show or a documentary or something on Amazon. Um, you know, a ghost hunting show, all of it is just so intriguing to me. And, you know, my parents never really were the kind that would, would shut it down. They were never like, ah, you know, you got to stop listening to this crap. It's, you know, rot your brain and none of it's real. They never did that. They weren't necessarily, oh yeah, you should go investigate that. Um, they didn't really do that either, but they allowed me to have a, uh, to maintain an open mind. And I think, you know, to be honest with you, I think a lot of people that grow up in a household where where they're kind of shut down when it comes to talking about that kind of stuff, I think that I think that really affects people how they how they progress, how they move forward in life as as they get older. I think they do actually they shut themselves down to those things. And you know, these people that you talk to that is like, oh, I've never had anything happen. Well, I bet you have. I just bet that you've you've had something happen and you were immediately jumping to there was some other explanation for it. Yep. Just wrote it off you know? as coincidence or. Yeah. You know, and it, it gets me when, you know, you get these people who are all high and mighty and they start talking about uh, using Occam's razor. Well, you know, if Occam's razor, it, it would certainly say that, you know, it wouldn't be that. But if you have an experience like I've had in my life, then Occam's razor tells you that is it, it, it's exactly that. What you experience is what you experience and not to look for a different explanation for it. You know, start to look Absolutely. into what that explanation 
might be or why it happened, but not to discount it and replace it with something that makes more sense just because your brain is having a hard time wrapping it around it. So, you know, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, you know, if I go out in the woods and I hear something, it, not every fart in the wind is Bigfoot, <laughs> you know, it's not, um, you know, every time you look up in the sky and you see a light moving across it, it's not always a UFO, you know, sometimes a chair is just a chair, right? Unless, unless you sit in it and it quacks like a duck, then maybe it's not a chair. Got to start asking questions. Yeah. Right. And I think, I think what you're pointing out is a, is an amazing point because a lot of people, you know, we've been accused of it. A lot of people will like to sit and say, well, you, you guys buy into everything. You buy into everything. You buy into everything. It's like, well, no, not necessarily. Well, you know, cause we're kind of like you, 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 I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I am guilty. I will. I love the, I like you, you brought up Occam, Occam's razor. My initial thought when you said that, I go, where's the fun in that? Yeah. Right. So I, I am guilty of those things to a degree, but I also, I, I respect what you're saying. I understand what you're saying because it is important to sit back once in a while and try to go, okay, like you said, why did this happen? Is there any, is there, could it have been a car coming down the road? And I just, you know, thought it was in the air instead of this, that, and the other. I think it is very, very important. And a lot of people oversee those, that, that detail because of the topics that we choose to talk about. Sure. And I'll, I'll take it a step further. Um, and, and I've got a, I've got a friend of mine, you guys are aware of her. Um, she'll, she'll, uh, she'll vouch for me when, when I say this, um, you know, we've, we've all put ourselves into a position where we talk about this stuff a lot. We entertain this stuff a lot. We, um, we immerse ourselves in, in the, in the subtleties of, of some of these things that are, are strange. And after a while, you know, it's going to be easy for a listener to say, Oh, well, you just get used to it. And then you automatically just jump to that. I get that. And I don't discount it, but the more that you remain open and you put yourself in a position of, being around people who have experiences, being around people and talking to people, even if it's over a Zoom call, who have attachments and things like that that are going on, you, you cannot help but become more aware of things that are going on. You know, Steve used the words uh, synchronicities before we started recording. And yeah, you know, coincidences left the building freaking years ago synchronicity yep. is a word yep. that's getting overused so badly that i really wish there was another word to use but that is what you know synchronicity sums it up um you know i'm sure you guys have known just like i do you know throughout the course of the time that i've been doing this there are there are threads of weirdness that weave themselves out of one episode and weave themselves back into an episode that is completely unrelated. The guests don't know who the hell they, each other are. Um, the topics may not even be uh, the same for, for the most of it, but these, these weird little tendrils that, that seem to seep out of, out of the, the episode and, 
you know, sometimes they snake around a different episode and they might weave in between one or two, but man, you get to episode four and it's right back smack dab right in the middle of, and you're, you're thinking to yourself, it's like, yeah, what the hell's going on? You know, what, how, how are we talking about the same exact thing? Only this is a completely different conversation. And, and I think that the, I honestly do. I think the more, and, and there's people that will confirm that, you know, when we, when we spend as much time as we do talking about the things that we do and to the people that have these things happening to them, we cannot help, but be more aware of it. And, you know, I just, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm complete whack job. I could be uh, completely off my rocker. No, you, um, you put it a good way. Being yeah. aware of it. That's, yeah. That's yeah. And because a very good way to put it. That's uh, we've had this conversation with people before where, you know, like you said, a lot of people will think that they don't experience things or see things. And it's like, I, I'm in agreement with you that, yeah, you do. You, you most likely do. The, the thing is, is that, like you said, once, once you start to become open to this and you start entertaining these thoughts, you start like constantly focusing your consciousness on this. It, it may be subtle things. There'll be subtle things that pop up in your life. Where you're like, it'll make me, it at least make me question, you know, where I feel crazy some days where I'm like, what are the, like me and Steve do it all the time. I'll be like, what are the odds that this popped up at this current time of my life, man? Like, help me, please help me explain this to myself because I can't rationally come up with any conclusion for this. Yeah. And I think, I think that, uh, no matter how big or small you are, that eventually when you start knocking on doors, somebody's going to answer one of them doors. Eventually it's just a matter of time. Yeah. yeah. You go looking hard enough. Some, something's going to look back hundred percent. I agree. I really do. I've, uh, you know, I would, I went on, uh, uh, I went on the confessionals a while back and, you know, basically his, the whole idea was I was supposed to talk about the experiences that I've had throughout my life. And we ended up specifically talking about one episode and that was episode five. And that was called dinner with a witch. And the, the, just the sheer number of things that happened to me during the three hour process of doing that interview with, uh, I thought she was a native American witch. I thought she was going to be a shaman or a medicine woman or, you know, something more in lines with a native American healer. Um, nope. Come to find out she is a full blown witch, Witch, like, you know, when you say witch, you know, like broomstick and, and black cats and that whole thing. Um, and the number of things she only lived like 35 minutes away from me. So I actually went to her house to do the interview with her. That's wow. Um, <laughs> and so, that is dedication. And, like, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like, uh, that's like right there in the makings of skinwalker territory right there. <laughs> like, you, well, <laughs> tread lightly, my friend. <laughs> let me, uh, let me, let me kind of paint the stage for you right, a little bit. Let's do this. Let's do um, this. So, <laughs> so you know it's my fifth episode and i am trying to come up with a a really good hook 
for the name of the episode. Right. And I haven't even done the, I haven't even done the interview yet. And I'm trying to come up with this, you know, I'm, I'm, and I'm like, you know, date night with a witch dinner with a witch, you know? And, uh, so I started having a conversation with my son and I said, you know, I think this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, since she lives so close, I'm going to say, Hey, why don't we go out and grab a bite to eat, have a couple of drinks. We can have a little precursor conversation. So you get comfortable with me and we see how good the flow of conversation is and you know, everything's good. And then we'll go back and we'll do the, the show. And my son says, he's like, you know, it's a cool idea, but with the culture today and the whole toxic masculinity thing and people getting canceled for saying stuff, you know, that they said 15 years ago on a comedy stage, he's like, you know, maybe you might want to rethink not really putting it in the context of you're going out on a date. And I was like, ah, shit, you're right. So I'm like, no, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to shit can that idea. So I get out of work on the day of the interview. I go home. I grab, I'm on the way home. I stop at McDonald's, get myself something to eat because I'm not going to go out to dinner. I get home, pack up all of my stuff. And I start heading towards this woman's house again, like 30, 35 minutes away. I'm backing out of my driveway and my phone goes off. I get a text message and it's her. And she says, Hey, have you eaten? And I said, uh, I said, yeah, I have. And she goes, oh, shoot. And I said, you know, if you need to, if you need to push off like a half hour, so you get, get a chance to get something to eat, you know, no problem. I can, I can hold off. And she goes, no, I was just really hoping we could go out and grab something to eat. And I'm like, what? In the f- Seriously? <laughs> You know, exactly what I was planning on wanting to do. And now she's, she's saying it. And I, so I respond to her and I said, listen, I said, you know, if you want to go grab something to eat, I'll go with you. I've already ate, but I'll grab a drink. You can get something to eat and then we'll do the interview. And she goes, great. I'll be ready. Pick me up. So I get to her house and I open up the door and she's standing there and I am hit with this like animalistic dude. When I'm, when I'm telling you like the sexual tension, the sexual desire that I felt when I looked at her, I had never felt like a predator in my life. But when I looked at her, I felt like a bad person. I, in, in a sexual sense, I felt like a freaking predator and it was immediate. She was standing in the doorway and I was just like, (laughs) you know, it was, it was bizarre. And, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a flag waving confirmed heterosexual man. I like women. They're beautiful. They're all different shapes and sizes, man. Women are like the best thing that God ever created, but I have never in my life had feelings like I had being around her. 
And, you know, so she walks out the door. We walk over to my car. I open the car door for her. We get inside. We drive about 15, 20 minutes. We go to this little, um, this little bar restaurant in a, in a small town right outside where she lived, had dinner. Um, you know, the, the, the bill comes to the table. It's $46 even. There's no sense, no, no pennies. It's just $46 even. I don't think I ever have had a receipt where there was not some part of change, you know, in, in the cost of something. And it was like, that's kind of weird. So then we drive back to her house. As we drive back to her house, we go down these couple of curvy roads. She has me pull off to the side by this guardrail. She gets out of the car. And beyond the guardrail is like a, maybe like a two track or like some kind of a laneway, maybe, um, I don't know, like for utility vehicles or something going back into these woods. And she says, roll down your window. So I rolled down my window, the door is open and she stands out there. She puts her hands up to her mouth and she goes, Whoop! and all of a sudden, like five or seven seconds later, way back in the back of the woods, you hear, Whoop! You hear a whoop come back and she looked down, she looked into the window of the car and she goes, isn't that cool? And I was like, what are you, what are you doing? And she goes, that's where my big boy lives. And I was like, your big boy, what do you mean your big boy? And she's like, that's where SETI lives. S E T I SETI. And I was like, you freaking named your Bigfoot. And she goes, yeah. <laughs> So she gets, she gets back in the car. She gets back in the car. We drive to her house and we walk in. I've got a, I've got my, uh, um, my, my travel case with all my stuff in it. And I got another bag that's got my microphones and everything in it. We walk in the house and she goes, come on, we'll go upstairs there. It'll be nice and quiet up there. So we go up this super narrow hallway going up into the upstairs. I had to turn sideways to carry my shit up up the stairs and we get to this door and I'm hanging on the, on the front of the door is this like painting of it's either a painting of a dog man or a werewolf. It's hanging on the, on the front of the, the door. She opens it up. I step inside and it's her bedroom. And you know, I'm still, I still in my brain, I, I still got what I was telling you about, you know, from the moment she opened up the door and I'm like, oh, what the, what's going on here? You know, <laughs> what, what's, what's going to happen? And I start looking around the room and there's like, um, you know, uh, there's dream catchers and there's um, werewolf paintings and there's, um, you know, stars and there's pictures of Loki and all these, just everything about, you know, the, statues of ravens and just everywhere you looked, it was some kind of imagery that was just not so much that it was dark and scary, but it was like, it really evoked the whole, the witch thing, you know? And, but it also had a, a really strong element of native American as well. And uh, so I get everything set up and we sit down and we start recording and, and, and like, it couldn't have been, you know, 10 or 15 minutes into it. And so where I'm sitting, I'm sitting up against the wall and directly beside me, 
to my left shoulder is the doorknob of the door that we came in. All right. She closed the door after we got into the room and the door was closed and we're talking and she, she's talking about this, um, that she's got a spirit that's in the house that, you know, crosses through her bedroom almost on a daily basis. And it's of a, um, an elderly African-American woman who used to live in the house before they had moved in and it's her ghost. And she's just kind of like passing through like on a regular basis. And as she's talking about this, I see, and she tells me that before we get there, while we're eating dinner, she's like, my brother lives with me. He's handicapped. So, you know, he, he won't bother us at all or anything, but you know, just be aware he lives there. So we're sitting there and I see this hand and, and pretty much most of the forearm kind of reach in through the doorway and just kind of wave, but they're the hands like waving at her and I'm looking at her. So I'm seeing this arm out of my left peripheral vision and she doesn't react to it at all. And I just assumed like it was her brother sticking his hand in there going like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm here. I'm not going to bother you, but just letting you know I'm here. And later I looked over and that door is closed. That door, if, if the door would have opened, it would have opened right beside my shoulder. So that part would have swung open past, I would have seen it in my peripheral. I was less than, you know, 18 inches away from it. And she's talking about this ghost that walks through all the time. And I was like, did I just freaking see a ghost arm reach through a freaking closed door (laughs) and wait? And it waved at her. It wasn't waving at me. And I was like, Oh, that was, freaking weird you know so we we start talking about her her family heritage is you know amazing because you know like on her dad's side of the the family i believe it was they can trace back to chief cornstock who you know point pleasant west virginia and you know he was married to pocahontas's sister and the whole mothman uh, curse and all that stuff and on mom's side they could track her, her descendants all the way back into Europe as being part of the Druids, you know, which Jesus, I mean, you know, I, I'm lucky if I can go back, you know, a hundred years to know who I was related to. Same. <laughs> you know, so, you know, there was a super really interesting conversation about her, her history and her background and, you know, her beliefs. She was, she was raised uh, in a Christian home, but yet she practices black magic and she practices white magic and gray magic and, you know, everything in between. And we're sitting there and, you know, it's dark out by this time. The backside of her bedroom wall is just all windows and I'm facing the windows. She's facing me. So her back's to the window. And all of a sudden we get hit with this, this incredibly loud, scream roar it was it was just insane how loud it was and my body immediately reacted to it the first thing that went through my mind was shit i left my fucking car in the gun or my my gun in the car and then the second thought that went through my head was shit i got 40 pounds of dog food in my back seat where that came from i have no idea but I, my body was, she, she whipped around and looked at the windows at the moment that it happened. I took my headphones off 
because I had I had Mickey Mouse headphones on. I took those off and she looked at me and she goes, did you hear that? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I heard that. What the hell was that? And she's like, isn't that cool? That's my big boy. And I was like, holy shit. Now I'm, t- I'm going to tell you that my body's reaction to what I heard my every inch of my body had chill bumps on it. I had goose flesh everywhere. I've never had goosebumps on the side of my torso or, you know, all up and down my legs. And, and it, it came in a wave and then it kind of dissipated a little bit, but then it came back and it wasn't quite as strong. And then it kind of dissipated a little bit more and then it came back, but it wasn't as strong as the next time. And it was, it was really weird. It was really weird, but you know, my equipment, I got, I got high dollar equipment. I knew for a fact that there was no way that my mics did not pick this thing up. I knew when I got home, that the first thing I was doing was putting this into the computer and pulling that audio up because I knew I caught something. So we continue on with the conversation. You know, it, it took us a little bit to get past that. Um, so then we got back into the conversation. We talked about some more stuff um, related to, you know, witchcraft and her coven and how you'd be surprised at how many witches there are in this small area. And, uh, we get to the end of it and I've already started packing up my stuff and she's sitting on the edge of her bed. She's got her, she's got like a car length leather coat on blue jeans. She's sitting on the corner of her bed. She's facing me and she's saying something. I, I wish I could remember what it was she was saying. Um, but I'm looking at her and as I'm, <laughs> as I'm looking at her, uh, you know what Etch-a-Sketch is, right? The yeah, the yeah. kid's toy. So if you ever look at the screen of an Etch-a-Sketch, you can see that like sparkly sand that's underneath the glass that when you move the thing, that's what it pulls the line through. So that, that sparkly, it's not really, it's not bright. It's just kind of a, that's what I see like kind of come over her. And is that, as that happens, her, her face, cause she, I think she was like 47 at the time, all the lines in her face kind of just go away and her hair gets a little bit longer and she's like sitting there in front of me, bare ass naked. What? And she looks she looks like she's like an 18 to 20 year old version of herself. And dude, I lost my words. I, I had nothing. I, I just looked at her. And then just like that, that, that slight sparkly looking shit happened again. And when I blink my eyes, she's back to sitting in her leather coat and her blue jeans. And, and she leans forward she leans forward to me and she gets this freaking Cheshire cat grin on her face. And she goes, what's the matter, hun? What did you see? And I said, I didn't say I saw anything. And she goes, Oh, and I was like inside. I'm like, what the mother, what, <laughs> You know, now I'm questioning my sanity, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm I'm like really nerved out. I, I like I want to go. I want to get out. And I stand back up. I get my suitcase in the one hand. I get my bag in the other hand. I got all my stuff. I'm waiting for her to open the door so we can walk down the hallway, down the stairs. And uh, before she opens the door, she says, hey, I got a friend of mine I think would be a really good fit on your show. And I said, oh, really? And she goes, yeah, I think you'd get along really well with him. His name's Eric, too. And I said, Eric Verdor? And she whipped her head around at me and looked at me and she goes, yeah, how did you know? And I said, I didn't know. How did you know? And she's like, what? And I said, I've been trying to get a hold of Eric Vernor for over two and a half months. I said, I've contacted him on his, on his Facebook under Eric Vernor. I've contacted him on his Facebook under the, his pen name Corvus Nocturnum. I said, my very first interview suggested I get a hold of this guy because he'd be a great interview. And I said, he will not respond to me at all. And I said, and then you just pull that name right out of your butt. A, a seven billion names you could have pulled out and you pull out a name of somebody that I've been looking for, for two and a half months. And she's like, well, I'll just send him a text and he'll get back with you in the next couple of days. Eric Vernor was, was recommended to me by my very first interview. He was a demonologist out of Kalamazoo, Michigan. He didn't know Susan, the witch. She didn't know him. I never made it public that I was looking for this guy other than trying to get a hold of him on his Facebook. I never asked anybody to help me find him. The only person I ever tried to get back in contact with was my first interview who never responded to me. And then three days later, I get a message from Eric Vernor and he's like, Hey, Susan said, you've been trying to get a hold of me and you want to do an interview. I'd love to. He happens to be a reverend in the church of Satan out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. <laughs> There's a lot going on there, my friend. <laughs> so, so we walk out to my car. I open up the back door. I'm putting my stuff in there. There's the 40 pounds of dog food. Right. And she stands at the front of my car in front of the hood, facing the back part of her property, which is all wooded. And she puts her hands up to her mouth and she goes, Whoop. and within 10 seconds from way back on the other side of the Creek, up the side of the ravine, there's a whoop comes back. And then about five seconds later, way off to the right, there's another one that sounds like it's twice as far away that goes. Whoop. And she turns around and she looks at me and she's smiling and she goes, isn't that neat? Isn't that cool? And I was like, I don't know. Is it? <laughs> like, is it really is happening? <laughs> I just she's said like, no. She's like, she's like, I put food out for them. They come and take it off the, the back deck. She's like, it's just. It's just a thing. I would have said, no, it's not just a thing. (laughs) This does not happen. Okay. So you you said she lives close to you, right? Yeah. yeah, Well, that property and that house is still, still within 30 minutes of me. She's left that property. She now lives 
smack dab in the middle of the Manistee National Forest where she is uh, currently communing with the the Sasquatch and the dogmen of <laughs> mid-Michigan. That sounds fitting. That checks out. Is <laughs> is the area where you're from, is, is it prevalent for Sasquatch sightings? You know, so here's the thing. Um, I live seven miles north of uh, Notre Dame. University in Notre Dame. You know, I live, I live in South Bend. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a city. So, you know, there's, yeah, they, I mean, there's some wooded areas around and stuff. But when you start getting to the area where she is at, to be, to be completely honest with you, that area was maybe a 15 minute drive away from the 1964 sighting of the Dewey Lake monster into Wajak, Michigan, which if you guys know what the Dewey Lake monster is, it was the summer of 64. I think the first sighting happened on June 3rd. I did an episode about it. Um, that, that whole thing even led into a me hosting my first Bigfoot conference, which was Bigfoot and Brews, which I held into Wajak, Michigan at the sister lakes brewing company back in September of last year. I remember that a mile and a half away, mile and a half away from where the, the first sighting was of the Dewey Lake monster. But, um, you know, and then my episode two and three is about a gentleman and his two daughters who hunted some property about another 20 minutes away on the Eastern side of Dewajak. Uh, who had one walk out in front of him on opening day uh, about nine years ago. And, you know, so there is a pattern in lower Southwest Michigan that coincides with even sightings back in the 1965 Monroe monster, which happened on the, on the lower Southeast side of Michigan. Um, in Monroe, Michigan, it was nearly a, an identical set of uh, sightings. So, you know, I don't know if we're dealing with a a corridor for for Sasquatch through through Lower Michigan, or if it's someplace that is, um, you know, possibly, you know, depending on who you talk to, people say that they have a of a range of you know fifty to a hundred miles. Uh, in any direction from where they're like based at. So, um, you know, it, it all kind of adds up to, even if you look at uh, what is it, the BFRO website, or if you go to uh, Scott's, uh, the Bigfoot mapping project um, and check that out, uh, you know, there's a number of sightings that have been reported through the lower part of the state of Michigan. So, and the fact that I live like right on the state line, and, you know, my kids grew up in Michigan. I was, I lived in Michigan when I was married. Um, yeah, there, there's a, there's a pretty decent amount of evidence to su support that they're in this area. That's, that's awesome. I was just curious and I got to ask, cause I ask all my Bigfoot people. Yeah. So are you in the biological flesh and blood Bigfoot camp that it is some sort of primate that is not been documented by science, but it is flesh and blood. Or are you in the camp where it's something metaphysical, something possibly interdimensional, or is it a conglomeration of the two? It's curious as to uh, your thoughts on that. Okay. So here's my, here's my, here's my take on it. 
Kyle, Steve, imagine your life 10,000 years ago with a loincloth wrapped around your niblets, sleeping around a fire with one eye open, spear in your hand. You've got a couple of females in your tribe. You've got a couple of young kids in your tribe. And you have to you have to provide food. You have to protect against predators. Um, because essentially you're your food for the taken as well. And imagine what your senses would have been back when we were that people. You know, we talk about having an extra sixth sense or, uh, you know, some people, you know, blind people, their hearing becomes better. Uh, people who can't hear their other senses over and, and become more acute. Um, what if what if we had additional senses when we were those people? You know, we've had we've had walls around us and windows that you can close and doors you can lock for so long now. It only makes sense that those kind of traits that would have been something that we relied on really heavily aren't aren't a part of our regular psyche now. We don't have to worry about somebody breaking into our house for the most part. Um, we lock our doors, you know, our houses are made out of brick and, you know, we don't have to worry about storms. We don't have to worry about any of that stuff. But what if we were those people that had to rely on our senses? What if we had to rely on our gut? What if we had to rely on how we felt when there was a predator that might be 75 to a hundred yards away from us, but they're in the area and you know, something's off. You know, what if, what if Bigfoot, what if these Sasquatch still have those kind of senses about them? It would make them harder to see, harder to find, much better at hiding. It would make them, you know, so much better than us in that environment. So that's, yeah, that's kind of where, you know, like, but here's the other thing. You know, if you if you read uh, uh, Ron Moorhead's book about the quantum Bigfoot, you know, he goes into a lot of stuff about frequency and the, the quantum entanglement of, of all this stuff. And frequency and vibration are, are a big thing. And it's it's a it's a big thing in our natural world. Um, so if you had something that was capable of producing infrasound, which is natural, is a naturally occurring thing. Tigers produce it. Elephants, uh, they produce it. There was a, there was a, a tribe in Africa that had elephants that had not been around for a long, long time. And the elephants started moving back into their area and their suicides went up considerably when the elephants came back around and they realized that what it was was because the amount of infrasound that the herd of elephants was producing was negatively affecting people who were susceptible to being, and they were committing suicide. So if, if you have a creature that's out there that is, you know, anywhere in the neighborhood of seven to nine or 10 feet tall by reports uh, in the weight with the weight of anywhere from, you know, five to, five to 1200 pounds, like has been reported and they have a, a vocal capability, which, you know, 
recorded vocalizations of things that just don't make any sense. And when some of them are broke down and, you know, like um, the guy that broke down uh, the, the Sierra sounds, the guy that used to Scott Nelson, who used to be a, a crypto linguist for the, the Navy. When you start breaking it down and you start questioning the possibility that they might have multiple sets of vocal cords in order to make the sounds that they're making, what if they can create a frequency what if they can create a vibration that can alter how we see? Have you ever been to a rock concert and decided to push yourself all the way up to the, the front so you were real close to the speakers or be at a, um, a, a competition stereo, uh, a stereo competition, you know, for cars where they have these incredible bass units in their cars that just a lot of you? It's hard to see. You know, and the reason, one of the main reasons that I kind of focus on this is I've talked to a woman who was, uh, who was out hunting her, her son, her husband was there too, but he was in a different area of the, the woods. Um, they, they got, she got the distinct impression that she was in the presence of one of these things. She started getting the dread and the feeling like they should be getting out of there. So she, she motioned for her son to get out of his stand. He started making his way to her. And she was trying not to panic him. So, you know, they were, they were moving with purpose, but not, she wasn't really being forthright with him as far as why. And she said at one point, she looked back behind them and she said, they, they've hunted that, that property for years. She was very familiar with the area and very familiar with all of the different trees. And, you know, she, I mean, that's where they hunted. And she looked back and saw the environment change. It was still trees. It was still leaves. It was still sky, but it wasn't what should have been there. So I wonder if, if these things have the ability to use frequency and vibration to do some of the things that they do. You know, some people say these things can cloak, right? You know, they just go all predator. Well, what if they're not doing that? What if they're affecting our visual interpretation of them? What if the vibration that they're producing or the frequency that they're producing is jumbling up our vision so that we're not seeing them? I didn't even think of that. that you know, is, so, so is it, is it a woo it. thing or is it a natural thing? I think. You know, I think we have to look at is we don't understand it. So it's easy to throw it in the woo category, but these may be natural attributes that they have. We just haven't had for tens of thousands of years. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even think about like <clears throat> being able to manipulate audio frequency to where it, it affects our senses as humans. That's that's solid. solid. You know, because there's a there's a documentary out somewhere. I don't even know if it was a documentary or if it was just a segment in a show. But there were a couple of guys and they were both sound engineers and they had taken a just a shit ton of equipment with them, big speakers and all kinds of so, uh, soundboards and stuff. And they actually set it up inside of Stonehenge. And they were they were bouncing the uh, a bunch of different frequencies. They were bouncing them off of the rocks that make up Stonehenge because they thought they had some kind of a theory that, you know, it might be something um, 
there's some kind of a resonance cavity in that within it that you know maybe during some kind of rhythmic drumming or something like that back in the day when it was when it was whatever it was designed to be that you know the use of it maybe they thought you know it would incite like some kind of uh um you know like a hypnotic trance or you know it might put you into a some kind of a altered state of mind by hearing all this stuff. So they were bouncing all these different low frequencies, high frequencies. They were going through all this stuff. But when they started getting down to the infrasonic sounds in the lower frequencies, the one guy they had, a he had a, he had a bow out. He had to leave because he was, he was physically getting ill. His eyes were, um, his eyes were messed up. He was feeling uh, a weird palpitation in his chest, like almost like it was affecting his heart's ability to beat in a regular rhythm and, and they had a shit can to study. So, you know, I mean, I kind of always go back to that and it's like frequency and vibration, man, can do a lot of things to a human body that a lot of people don't, I don't think realize. So. Yeah. I, I had never, never even thought to make the connection, but now that you, now, now that you've, you planted that seed in my brain, I'm like, <laughs> all right. It makes a lot of sense. It really does. You know, I, I was hoping they, with the, the Stonehenge thing, you were going to say they were trying to open a portal. And I was like, hell yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> hell, maybe they were. Who knows? It, it is, well, and it's it's funny it's funny you bring that up because, like, uh, Ancient Apocalypse, you know, those, those guys were, they were on Rogan. Mm-hmm. And he made one of the most simplest yet amazing points I've heard in a long time when it comes to ancient technologies and, and, and uh, trying to understand the things that we don't understand. Uh, and it would, be, it would be the same way, the same, I, I would apply the same analogy he gave to your Bigfoot equation here. Uh, we, we don't even, when it comes to ancient technologies and maybe the use of frequency or vibration or whatever it is, we don't know the technology we're looking for. We attribute technology as in computers and automobiles that that doesn't necessarily apply to the past right right. you know what i'm saying so all this time we we could be looking at a piece of technology but it's not technology to us because we don't understand that technology exactly the the same equation applies to your your bigfoot here because that we don't we're not we, we we don't correlate it you know we're not we're not essentially looking for this because like you said we don't understand it right so it totally, yeah, you know, we, totally we think, sense. we think about technology and yes. you know, the first thing you're going to do is it's a phone, <laughs> exactly. it's the roadcaster yep. that's sitting in front of me, or it's, you know, my computer. Yes. You know? Yep. Precisely. Precisely. Uh, back to your witch real quick. Yeah. Uh, cause that, that story, that story is <laughs> no, awesome. I, no, I, I never did. No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know. Uh, did you eat when you went out with her? No, I had no. Uh, I had one uh, I had one old fashioned yeah. while we were sitting there while she ate. Because yeah. you know, there's like a little bit of mysticism behind that as well, right? How's that? Uh, like there, there, there is power because how to say this? When we 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 talked about this off air subtly earlier, however, we were informed. That when it comes to certain things in our lives, you should not accept food from people because oh. there's there's power in that. 
Oh, <laughs> that that's the first thing that chalked my brain off when she was I like, thought, "I thought the same." Did you thing. eat? And oh, I'm like, wow. "Oh shit! Oh shit!" Like she's trying thing. to trap him. I did not. Yeah, I did there's not. totally. I, I will go back and say this. Um, so when I went to when I put I put that recording on my computer. Yeah. There is nothing there. You can hear at the end of, at the very end of the last word that she said before we both turned our heads to look at the window. She says the word and, and as she's pronouncing the D in the word and in the background, you can hear the very slightest little, almost like a hoot owl. So weird. That is so weird. So, and then like three or four days later, it hit me because I started, I started thinking it's like, you know, it kept coming in waves. And then the next time it came, it wasn't quite as strong. And then it wasn't quite as strong. And then it wasn't quite as strong. And then pretty much you couldn't really detect it anymore. And I was, it's like, you know, it was almost like, it was almost like I got a shock. It was almost like I was getting a shock electrical. And then I was like, Oh fuck. That's what people are talking about when they say they got zapped. That's it. And then it like became crystal clear to me. I was like, holy crap, that was infrasound. And I just, I got zapped. That thing was outside her windows across the street in the middle of a little wooded area that sits in the middle of a farm field. You know how when you go past a farm and they always have that one little segment of trees that they never took down. You wonder why the hell, why did they not? I mean, why did you just not finish the job and get the trees out of there? Right. He was back. He was standing in there. That's my assumption. And, and he directed that infrasound straight at her windows. He either knew we were talking about it or this was predetermined by her, you know, to, Hey, hey let's right. screw with this guy or whatever. You know, I don't know. Um, that all sounds insane if you say it out loud. Um, but you know, like four or five days later, I finally called her and I said, Hey, Susan, I need to know, did you do that to me? And she said, do what? And then I explained how from the moment I saw her, there was like, it was so hard for me to do that interview because everything in my brain was just wanting to just, you know, right. And then to see her sitting naked in front of me with that whole shimmery shit, she says like, no, I didn't do that. And I said, but, then why, then who would have, you know? And she goes, well, maybe it was my, maybe it was my spirit guides. And I said, to what end? What the hell would, I mean, and she goes, I don't know. Maybe they were testing your intentions. That's weird. And I was like, Ooh, that's weird. Maybe maybe they were testing my intentions. Maybe they were, maybe they were tempting me with everything everything they could. And for, I mean, I still don't know for what purpose, right. But you know, so yeah, that was a dude, I'm telling you what, that, that thing still trips me out when I start thinking about it and I talk about it, I still get the chills. I bet. Um, 
it was it was nuts but you know i mean that was that was my fifth episode yeah what a way to start <laughs> no. yeah so, what yeah, a way to start you know, it, it was on a, the ground was a, journalism five episodes in you know uh, what a banger right and yeah it, it wasn't a banger really until much later when you know i i start talking about it on other shows and everybody is like holy crap so it, it makes me wonder with her her big feats there yeah do you think they were more or less her protectors? It, it certainly seems like there was some relationship there. Um, you know, she would say that she would go back, um, like that first place that I told you where that guardrail was, she would walk back there. And she said that there was a large tree that had fallen over and there was almost like a, a worn seat in the, in the tree trunk that had been, just like it was used so much that it was just wore down like it was a seat. And she said she would go back there and she would sit there and she would sing to him in her native uh, Algonquin tongue. And she would leave like honey buns or, you know, um, candy or stuff like that for him, take it out of the wrapper and then leave it out there for him. And uh, she said they liked to hear her sing, you know, so, but you know, now she's now she's living up in the North Woods with uh, the the big feet and the awesome. and the dog man. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, which brings me, I've got two more here, real quick. Uh, you you made you made the comment about how she said you'd be surprised how many other witches are in the area. It's weird you say that because I had somebody close to me who started dabbling, wanting to dabble in witchcraft right and he was able to successfully find covens around here which is interesting and then same same connection and i don't know if you know much about witchcraft or if any of the listeners are going to know much about witchcraft but he told me about this old this story and it's not far from us but he said he was the whole purpose of trying to get into this coven was to learn more about it and and to verify slash go to this location where there was supposedly an old witch that lived out in the middle of the woods and he has he had the location the whole nine and supposedly it's a small just like a small shack out there but around this shack i cannot remember the number i'll have to i'd have to figure out the number but I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say six there are and it could be eight could be nine could be whatever it is but around the perimeter of the property, this woman supposedly has six all white German shepherds staked around the property. Like this, the special, I, 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 I don't know the significance of it, but it fascinates the hell out of me. Is it protection? Is it some type of ritual she's doing? Like what, what could it be? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I didn't know if you, if you had any insight, you know, no, I, I don't, um, that that's about, you know, I mean, I've got, I've got some, um, some lasting relationships that I have, um, fostered with some, some white witches, you know, who, who basically what they do is just on the, on the light side, 
you know, and I don't mean on the like light beer side. I mean, right. On the light side of, of, of that, you know, trying to do things that are good to try to help people and stuff like that. Um, I think maybe I pretty much learned my lesson as far as, um, you know, the, those who delve into the darker side of things. I mean, she, she admitted to me that, uh, some guy had been, uh, uh, he had been messing with like one of her cousins or, uh, a niece or something like that. Wasn't treating her very good. And, um, basically she had had enough of it. She put a, put a whammy on him that made him puke blood for three days Wow! and, and go to the hospital. And, you know, after three days, she, she called it off and the doctors were like, I have no idea where the blood's coming from. And, you know, so. I mean, again, that's, that's crazy. That's, that's her telling the tale, uh, whether it's true or not. I don't know. But, I'm you not going to test it. <laughs> yeah. There yeah. were, you know, in that area, uh, specifically that area with the Bigfoot, uh, just going back to that, um, there's a gentleman over uh, near Detroit who um, he's actually the one that introduced me to her. Um, he's, he's investigated that property multiple times. And after, uh, the night after I hosted Bigfoot and Brews this past September, he took a group of guys out to that property. And later that night, he sent me a photograph of a footprint, uh, taken with night vision of a, of a foot in the mud, um, awesome. out there. So, um, you know, that, that, that area is still active that's awesome so, i love it that is love awesome it. but you know you go through that and you know like when i was younger you know i was 21 my dad uh my dad was hit and killed by a, a car um which really sucked but he was drunk leaving a bar and decided to walk home across the five lane highway and you know hey do as i say not as i do right you know so um but after that happened, um, and this was, this was months later, um, and nothing, nothing really started happening right off the bat. Um, can remember at all. Um, but it was months later, like probably seven or eight months later. Um, I had, I had gone and I, I had a wild hair up my ass and I was like, I'm going to buy a cordless phone. You know, this is what 1987. Yeah. So er, early 1988, probably. Um, I decided to go to one of the big box warehouses and I bought myself a, a cordless phone for the first time in my life. And, and then I was, I was standing there and I was looking. I'm like, you know what? I want to buy a goddamn answering machine too, because I'm that important, right? You know? <laughs> At uh, 22 years old, I need an answering machine and a cordless phone. And uh, so I bought it. I got it all hooked up and everything. And I don't know, I had it maybe for a couple of weeks. And uh, one night I'm, I'm in bed and I'm sleeping. It's like two o'clock in the morning, somewhere around. And uh, the phone rings. Well, you know, when you get a phone, phone call at that time of night, it's never good, right? Um, so I pick it up and I said, hello. And there's this 
voice on the other side of the phone and it says, Hey boy. And then, I mean, a lot of people don't know what it's like to have a landline anymore, but when a landline would hang up, you would hear a click and then it would go eh, 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 when it was disconnected. And that's what it did. Well, for the majority of my life, my name to my dad was boy. Hey boy, don't you think you better go cut the grass? Hey boy, don't you think you ought to go watch the car? Hey boy, what you doing tonight? Hey boy. Hey boy. You know, and it, it wasn't really a, I don't think it was ever meant as like a, to be disrespectful or anything. It was just, that was his, that was his name for me. Hey boy, grab me a Coke out of the fridge. Hey boy, while you're up, change the channel on the TV, you know, before we had remotes. Um, so, you know, I answer the phone and it's, I'm sitting up in bed, I'm awake and I hear this voice say, Hey boy. And then it disconnects. And I sat there and I looked at the phone for a little bit and I, I hung it up and pushed the antenna back down. I put it back on its base. And as soon as I put it back down on the base, freaking phone rang again. And I picked it up, pulled the antenna out. I said, hello. And there's a female voice on the end of the line. And she says, is everything okay? And I said, excuse me? She says, is there anybody in the house that shouldn't be there? And I said, what? She says, this is Sergeant so-and-so with the South Bend Police Department. Are you, is there somebody in the house that shouldn't be there? And I said, ma'am, I'm in bed. And she's like, well, I'll stay on the phone with you. Would you please get up and make sure that there's not, you know, that everything's okay. And I said, yeah, I said, I really don't understand what's going on here. And she says, we just received a 911 call from this phone. And protocol is if we receive a 911 call and then it hangs up, we call that number back to make sure that to see if somebody answers. If they don't, we'll send somebody out. Will you please just go check, make sure everything's fine in the house? And I said, ma'am, I'm the only one here. And I walked through the whole house. I checked the whole house. I had my, I had my Smith and Wesson 44 nickel plated 44 in my hands as I'm walking through the house naked, hold this, hold this cordless phone up, hoping like hell that I'm not going to run into somebody in the house. And, uh, so I, I come back into the bedroom and I said, ma'am, there's nobody in here. And she goes, okay. She's like, well, do you by chance have a cordless phone? And I said, yeah, actually I do. I said, I just got one a couple of weeks ago. And she goes, oh, well, that might explain it because supposedly um, we've, we've heard reports that um, cordless phones are, are inadvertently dialing 911 on their own. And, you know, I mean, that's the whole thing is completely bizarre, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, then I start thinking later on and it's like, so the long and the short of it was um, I didn't realize that my mom and dad's relationship was not very good throughout, you know, the last part of his life. So when he passed away, she kind of started going and sowing her oats. 
and she found another guy and she was actually spending a lot of time staying at his place. So I continued to live in our family home alone. And, you know, I kind of felt, you know, I mean, I was 22, so it wasn't like she was leaving a, a 12 year old kid home alone, but you know, I was an only child and I'd never been really separated from my parents for any, any reason. And it felt weird that, you know, she was with some other guy and I was still kind of coming to terms with the fact that they weren't really in a great spot, you know, relationship wise. And I had no idea about it. Um, so I started thinking, and it's like, man, was it like, 911, did he think I needed help because I was alone? Because he felt like my mom like bugged out on me. It's like, did he did he call 911 before he called me? You know, or was that just the most bizarre circumstances of coincidence that, you know, seconds not minutes, seconds passed between those two calls. They had to be related. They had to have been. Yeah, it's almost it's almost like at the in my brain, it's like the same time he was calling to check on you, the call was also being made to to nine one one dispatch. Yeah. That's that's so wild. That's so wild. <laughs> you know, and then you know, you start moving forward into you know i'm doing this podcast i finally i I just i was like you know i want to talk to people that do this that have these experiences you know one for uh uh, somewhat of a vindication of my own experiences um we we could be here for you know four hours if i told you everything that i've had happen in my life and quite frankly when you say it all out loud at one time you feel like you know you feel like a freaking nutcase because you know, somebody's going to be like, come on, man, seriously. But, you know, over the course of 57 years, it, weird you know, shit happens. It does, you know, and, and once I started doing this show, s- weird stuff start happening more. Um, you know, the synchronicities, the, the, the weird tendrils that reach out of one episode and go into another people not knowing each other, but connecting me with somebody that they both knew and, you know, things like that is just too much to not pay attention to and too much to just say, ah, that was, ah, what, what are the chances, you know, um, chances are pretty, pretty freaking slim. Um, oh, and, and that story about the witch, um, you know, Tony at the confessionals had me come down uh, or had me uh, record with him about that. And, you know, he was he was so taken back by that whole story. He asked me to um, tell him a bunch of the other things that I had happened throughout my life for like a members only episode. And. Um, you know, I guess that was I guess that was a pretty good success for him as far as shows went. And uh, we kind of we kind of fostered a little bit of of friendship uh, between him and I, and uh, um, a couple other people that we kind of had common friends. And um, so this led to, you know, 
me meeting Joel Thomas and uh, any anybody that has listened to to Joel on on other shows, um, there there seems to be a thing that happens every time he gets on somebody's episode and starts talking about these specific things. Um, you know, we start having these uh, these interferences that happen during the recording process. Um, I was recording with him one night and I don't know, do you guys use a roadcaster at all? Yeah. Yep. Yep. We both have one. Okay. So, you know, the, the, the touch screen. Yeah. All right. Have you ever seen that start to vibrate back and forth left and right? Just start shaking back and forth. Nope. So I have that happening while I'm talking to him and we're having problems with him sending me the files from Zencaster on his side. He keeps sending it to me. And each time it comes through the email, I'm only getting 20 minutes of the entire show. And, you know, it was just a bunch of different, bunch of different crazy technical things and it's technology. Okay. You got to expect that you're going to have technical difficulties when you're using mechanical stuff stuff that runs on electricity, things that have, you know, computer boards and chips in them, you know, something's going to fail at some point. Um, so I'm having all these different problems. And then he goes on to another episode, uh, the cryptids of the corn, and they do an episode with him. He starts touching on the same things he was talking to me about, and they have a complete failure with their system. It completely goes down and it's got a battery backup to com- to keep that from ever happening but the battery backup doesn't kick in and they even contact the manufacturer of the device. And they said, no, that, that's impossible. That can't happen. That's why it's got the fail safe for the battery in it. And then he goes on to, <laughs> he goes on to another show and has the same, same type of problems. So Tony decides to have us all come down to Tennessee to record with him in, in the studio and basically try to suss out the whole damn thing and see if we can get it to replicate the same problems while we're all there and, you know, and, and try to get through it. So we did that. And, uh, he set the date for us to come down. And like I said, I live in South Bend, Indiana. And I, I, uh, I put in the GPS coordinates of the Airbnb that we were going to be staying at. And it came up with seven and a half hours travel time. I knew I was going to have to stop for gas twice and probably have to grab something to eat real quick on the way down, but should have been no more than a eight to eight hour and 15 minute haul the whole way there. So, you know, I'm, I'm following the route on my GPS. It's taking me the fastest way. I'm going on the, along the outside, uh, Eastern outside edge of Indianapolis. So I'm not running into Indiana traffic, uh, Indianapolis traffic, you know, it's around three o'clock. So I'm not hitting any of that. I stop and I get gas at 10 30 in the morning before I even leave. I get gas at 10 30 in the morning. Joel Thomas calls me and says, Hey buddy, you know, how's everything going? You getting on the road? And I'm like, yep. I literally just pulled out on the, on the road from the gas station. I'm headed that way. He's like, all right, man, see ya. So I get off the phone with him heading down, you know, I get on the, the Eastern side of Indianapolis, no traffic, everything's good. And then I get to, uh, it, it, this is the, the one weird thing was I was like really surprised when I saw that I was in 
Kentucky. I thought it came up kind of quick. I was like, man, you know. Um, and the other weird thing about it was that I'm typically, you know, like I listen to Tool, I listen to Slipknot, I listen to, I love loud music. And if I'm not listening to loud music, I'm listening to a podcast. But this trip, I decided for whatever reason, I don't think it was a cognizant thing. It wasn't something I was conscious of. I just kind of was in my own head. I wasn't really listening to anything. Um, didn't have the radio on. I wasn't listening to podcasts. Um, you know, I was, I was kind of rehearsing a little bit in my head um, of, of how I thought some of the conversation was going to go when we started talking about this and, you know, making sure that I was sure of my standpoint on, on things that I wanted to make sure that I got across. And uh, so I, I really, I just, I was in my head that whole trip and uh, I get down to now one group of guys is coming out of Ada, Ohio. The other guy, uh, Joel is coming out of Cincinnati, Ohio, and I'm coming out of South Bend. So we're all taking three different routes, but essentially once you get to uh, Lexington, we all got off on the same exit 75, which was right by the big water tower as you're, as you're going into Lexington. And uh, so I get to the, I get to that Lexington exit and there's a little bit of traffic and it shows up on my GPS and it shows like I'm going to be 15 minutes sitting there. And uh, so I'm sitting there and I'm looking out the windows and just, kind of still in my head and I'm looking and it's like, it is the most beautiful blue sky. There is not a cloud to be seen anywhere. And I'm just, I'm kind of in awe of the fact that there's not a cloud in the sky. I, you know, I'm, I'm sure I've seen other days like that, but it just, it was really, it, it just struck me that there's no clouds. And and I look back off to my right-hand side, and I was looking at the big-ass water tower, and it said uh, Lexington, the the jewel of Kentucky or something like that on it. And uh, as, I, as I was looking at that, I see this tiny little cloud off to the, the upper right-hand side of it. And it's, it's like this little, just this little marshmallow of a cloud. And I can remember saying to myself in my head, this is stupid, but I was like, oh, look at that poor little guy. Everybody left him. He, he got left behind, you know? And, uh, you know, and I started looking around again and then uh, my attention got drawn back to this cloud and I looked back up at the cloud and that's when I noticed that it was, and I was trying to explain this like before we started recording, it was almost like if you were looking at an image in a 3D rendering program on a computer where you can like grab a, uh, a cube and you can like twist it and turn it and look at it from all different angles. That's kind of what this cloud was doing. It seemed to be just kind of tumbling on itself. It wasn't really moving towards me or away from me. It didn't seem like it was caught up in the wind or anything moving in any direction. It was just kind of tumbling on itself. And as I watched this thing, I was kind of in awe of, I don't think I ever saw a cloud roll on itself like that. And as it was doing it, it started to kind of come apart essentially. And after a, a minute or so it had, 
it had broken apart into three very similar looking pieces. And in those pieces all looked like if you took a, if you took the yin and the yang symbol apart and you had those two little tadpoles that kind of nest up against each other, if you took the white one and you put three of them up in the sky and you kind of position them into like kind of a crude triangle, that's what these things looked like. And, you know, they still looked like clouds. There were no hard edges to any of them. It wasn't like, you know, looking at a street sign or anything. They were just all in the same shape, but there were three of them. And then is like, I'm looking at it and then it just kind of dissipated and it, and it was gone. And the whole, the whole cloud was gone. It just, it dissipated. It didn't, it wasn't like it blew away. I didn't watch it move off to the right or the left. It just dissipated. And I, I was sitting there and I was like, what in the hell was that? You know? And I mean, I'm, my head's like, did I just see a UFO? Was that, you know, was that the, the vision from God? Was that, you know, I was like, I, I don't know what the hell I saw. I don't understand what I saw. And, you know, so I get through, I get through the traffic and, you know, everything's rolling again. And in about 40 minutes, 40 minutes later, 35 minutes, 40 minutes later, I pull into, um, uh, I forget what town it is in Kentucky, but there's a Bucky's truck stop and I needed to get gas now. Okay. Here, here's where, here's where a friend of mine pops into the, the picture. And, uh, I, I had this um, psychic light worker. Um, she's a number of things. Um, she was on my she was on my show. Her name's JJ Rose seven seven seven, and she was one of three three people besides my two children who knew who knew where I was going. <laughs> and why I was going there. And I, when I, when I knew that I, when I saw that Bucky sign, I looked down at my gas tank and it was at half, it was half tank. And before I went on the road, she had sent me a, te a text message and said, don't let your gas get below a half tank. So I listened to her, <laughs> you know, I, she had, she had done some things in the past as far as as far as gifts that she has that had already proven to me to be pretty substantial and i buy into it she I, i'm i'm a i'm a big believer when it comes to her <clears throat> so i i pulled in i was on the phone with somebody as I pulled into that gas station, I pulled up the pump and I said, I said, I've never seen anything like this. There's gotta be like <laughs> 300 gas, uh, islands with, you know, to fill up. And she's like, Oh yeah, Bucky's are incredible. And I was like, this is insane. I've never seen a gas station this big. And I said, I got to let you go. I'm going to fill up with gas. And I said, when I get back on the road, I'll call you back. And she said, okay. I hung up the phone. It was seven o'clock on the dot. 
seven o'clock, seven o'clock PM. Now from South Bend down to Tennessee, there's no time change. All right. We're, we're it's all on Eastern time. I've been on the road since 1030 this morning. It was supposed to take me eight, eight and a quarter hours. I fill up with gas. I pull around to the front of the buckies. I run inside. I go in, I take a leak. I run over to the brisket station. I grab a brisket sandwich. I go up and I pay for it. I'm not waiting in line for anybody. I'm the only person at the cash register. I pay for it. I get in my car. I pull out of that parking space, pull around to the side of the building, enter another parking space, and I wolf down that brisket sandwich in like three minutes flat. I get back on the road, and this person tries to call me. And I've got my phone in a, um, in a cradle that's hanging off a suction cup on my windshield. I go to I take my finger and swipe it to answer the call, and the screen of my phone won't react to my finger. It just keeps ringing, and it doesn't answer. And then she calls me back again a third time, a second time. Same thing. I can't get my finger to react with the screen of my phone. Third time, I can't get my finger, and I was like, well, shit, I'm, it gets connected to my car. So I just push the button on my sink to answer the call. The screen on my phone goes to the, the screen on my iPhone goes to like it's answering the call. And then the call drops. Then I try to call her and the call wouldn't go through. So I'm like, well, shit, next time I stop, you know, I'm not going to try to do this while I'm driving. So the next time that I stop or whatever, you know, I'll, I'll call her and let her know everything's okay. So I'm driving, I'm driving, I'm driving. And I get a, I get a message banner that pops up on my phone from Instagram. And it's a listener of mine who in her message says that she was listening to one of my episodes and she set her phone down. And as she set her phone down, the episode stops playing the ghost app on her phone opens up on its own. She says she picks up her phone and holds it up in front of her. And there is a, um, there's a stick figure standing in front of her in her apartment in of all places, Oregon, completely on the other side of the country. And she says, I can't help but feel that this is here for you. And I'm like, what? There's a ghost in your apartment in Oregon and it's there for me. I'm like, you know, so I'm like, you know, weird people, right? Right. <laughs> weird people reading stuff into shit. Um, and then I get a phone call from Joel, who is already down at the Airbnb. And he's like, hey, man, what's going on? Are you everything all right? And I'm like, yeah. I, I'm like, I have no idea why it's taken so long. I said, I barely stopped twice. I said, I, I, it took me like three minutes to wolf down a sandwich. I said, I've been on the road the whole time. I said, I don't know what the hell is going on, but it's still telling me that, you know, I got, I got like two and a half hours to go. Well, this was eight o'clock. So I still, I still had an hour and a half to go. 
And he's like, Jesus, dude, get your ass down here. And I said, I'm, I'm trying, you know? And, um, then I get a phone call from Tony. Uh, at first I get a text message from Tony. He's like, yo, dude, you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And it's like, why is everybody worried about me? And then I said, I'm driving. I don't want to text. Call me. So he calls me and he says, Hey man, tell your fans. I'm no, I'm not your fetch boy, bitch, you know, delivering messages to you and all that. And I was like, dude, what are you talking about? And he's like, I got a message sent to me from one of your listeners on my Instagram. And it says, can you please check on Eric? He's gone off the grid and Bucky's truck stops have been known for missing time phenomenon. That's awesome. And, and I'm, I'm like, I'm already struggling with trying to understand why it's taken me so long to get where I'm going. I've had very little interruption. There's nothing that points to what well, you've had two hours of downtime. I didn't pull off the road and take a nap. You know, I didn't have a breakdown. Nothing happened. I've been on the road the whole time. I saw the weird cloud thing that kind of messed with me a little bit. And now I've got this woman that I've been talking to for quite a while is, is using that of all things as, and it winds up being her sense of humor because Bucky's, which I had a Bucky's before, but Bucky's is like, I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen that many gas pumps. I had no idea you could go in and buy hunting equipment. I didn't know that you could buy a deer feeder there. Um, you know, they literally, they had deer feeders out, out in the front. Oh Barbecue yeah. Barbecue smokers. You know, you, you name it. I imagine I probably could have bought like a lawn tractor there if I would have looked, you know, but again, I just went in, took a piss, grabbed the sandwich and got the hell out. And, uh, He's like, shouldn't you be here by now? And I was like, yeah, I should be. But I said, I don't know what's going on. He's like, well, what time's it saying? And I said, it's saying I'm supposed to be there at 934. And he's like, well, Jesus Christ. And, you know, so I keep driving. And then Joel calls me back again. It's, it's eight o'clock, straight up eight o'clock. And he's like, yo, man, shit's popping off at the Airbnb already. I was just getting ready to go on and record for an hour with LA before he got here. And he's like, as soon as we got on, we started talking about the angelic wars on Mars and the power went out. Well, if, if you go back to the issues that we've had with Joel on other shows, you know, it's no surprise that the power goes out. Right. Right. So, you know, I'm like, I'm kind of in limbo here because, you know, at this point now I'm starting to realize that something, something has slowed my progress. I, you know, I, I went through this after all, it was all over and done with, you know, I went back through and there would have had to been like a span of an hour and a half that I was only driving 35 miles an hour, you know, on these highways, which, you know, as well as I do, if, if a cop would have seen me driving that slow, I would have been pulled over. Um, it's, it just, none of it makes sense. And, uh, you know, I finally, I start getting 
pretty close to the destination. And, uh, um, JJ had, had sent me an additional message, uh, wanting to know how it was going. And I told her, I said, you know, I'm still not there yet. And she's like, Oh my God, what's going on? What happened? And it's like, everything's fine. I just, I can't text you right now because you know, I'm, I'm driving. And now by this time it's already dark and I get down to about 10 minutes away from my destination. And Tony calls me and he's like, like, dude, are you here yet? And I said, I'm 10 minutes out. And he's like, Jesus Christ. He's like, well, Christian and I, we're going to go pick up some pops at the gas station. I said, dude, please get me a pop, get me a Coke. I need one bad. And, uh, so I get down there and I, I get on the final road into this neighborhood to the Airbnb. And, uh, <clears throat> I'm looking and as I start to turn into the driveway of the Airbnb, as soon as my lights hit the gravel road, the, the gravel driveway, the lights at the Airbnb come on. As soon as my lights hit the, it, the, the lights come back on and I don't know. I mean, I recognized it, but it wasn't like, Oh, that was weird. Um, that didn't happen. That didn't hit me until like later on that. That was really strange that power came back on right as I got there. Like literally as soon as the lights from my vehicle hit the pavement or the, the gravel driveway, the lights came back on and all the guys in the, the part or the uh, Airbnb, they come out, they greet me and I get my stuff and we take it inside and I'm in there and I start telling them about this, this cloud and Joel jumps up out of his seat and he goes, I saw that same freaking cloud. And I said, no, oh, you did not. And he's like, I swear to God I did. And then I look over at Justin and Jay and they're looking at each other like slack jawed, you know, just kind of like, uh, and Justin points to Jay and Jay looks over at me and he's like, we saw that cloud too. Cause it was the only cloud in the sky. And I was like, you know, F you guys. I said, screw this. I said, and I walked over to the, the little desk over there and I grabbed a couple of sheets of paper. I said, you draw what you saw. And so each one of us drew what we saw only on the backside of my paper. I drew what I saw it turn into. I drew what it started off and then what it turned into. And at that point, Tony walks in the door with Christian and everybody's like, Hey, Tony, how's it going? And he's like, Hey, what are you guys doing? What are you up to? And I said, Hey, do anything. I said, take this, go grab everybody else's look at him. Tell me what you see. Because he, he had nothing. He had no idea of the conversation, nothing about it. So he, he gets all of these, these pictures and he puts them together and he's like, so y'all drew the same thing. So what? And I was like, Oh shit. And then he laid them down on the, uh, the coffee table and Christian actually took a picture of it. And it's like, Holy shit. They even had the bottom. Like I said, the bottom had kind of a weird rough edge to it. They even had that drawn in there too. And so, so, you know, we started talking about that, explaining the whole thing to Tony. And then Tony sits down we we're having a pretty deep discussion. I'm noticing that Joel is like, I don't want to say he was really withdrawn or anything, but you know, it was, he was really engaged in the conversation with us. 
uh, Tony and my conversation was going more into Christianity and Justin and Jay, they were kind of having their own conversation. And I don't know, man, it was, it was starting to get late. You know, it was probably around one o'clock, one thirty. We're, we've been talking for a long time and, um, Tony kind of, kind of pops up in the, in the, the couch the and and he like rubs the back of his neck and he's like, well, man, something just touched me. And then he kind of jolted and, and obviously like saw something and he starts describing what he saw. And Christian, who was like on the other end of the couch, sitting in a chair, had a little bit different vantage point. He was sitting more where he would have seen behind the couch. They both confirmed that they saw something really small and dark shoot out from behind the couch that Tony was sitting in. And it darted behind the chair that I was sitting in. And, you know, so that was weird. I mean, now we're seeing little dark shadow figure type things basically by the description of them from Christian and, and Tony. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in a chair. There's a little, uh, there's a little table between me and then there's another chair and Joel is sitting in that one. And, uh, at one point I kind of mentioned, I said, you know, Justin and I had been talking about it and I said, it was kind of like a little bit of a come to Jesus meeting. And I said, we both kind of feel like, you know, maybe you got something that's kind of still hanging around from the time that you were delving into this stuff, you know, when you were trying to get your music career off the ground and in a real matter of fact way, and almost in a defiant way, he's like, yeah, I know it. I know there's still something around. He says, it's not attached to me, but it's there. And I, I just thought that was a, that was an odd response to that not like oh holy shit no i didn't no no you know i mean he it was basically just admitted that it was and uh you know so i mean the night kind of petered out and there was a hot tub and a pool outside the the airbnb so we we all went and sat in the the hot tub for for a while before we went to bed next morning we got up everything was good i was like um Hey, let's go get breakfast. I said, I'll buy. So I took the guys to uh, cracker barrel. We had breakfast. We were waiting on Tony to get ready to record with us. And I, I was like, one of the other guys drove and I was sitting in the back seat and you know, it was like mid seventies. It was sunny day. Um, I was in shorts and a t-shirt, probably too cool for the morning. But as, as the day started, I was, I was okay. Um, but in the backseat of this car, man, I was just, I was hot. I was like, and I reached over to, to roll down the window and, uh, the, the power button on the window was, was not working. And he's like, oh man, I'm sorry. My window doesn't work. And I was like, ah, that's all right. It's not going to be that far. So we get to Cracker Barrel. We eat, had a nice breakfast, a lot of fun chit chatting. And then we got back into the car and we went back to the Airbnb. Tony still wasn't ready. We got all of her stuff. Tony calls, says, meet me at the, um, meet me at the studio at noon. And then Joel decides to drive instead. 
So I sit in the front seat of his car and I go to roll down his window and his window won't roll down and I'm burning up and I am just, I'm, I'm overheated. I'm burning up. And he said like, I'll turn on the air conditioner for you. So he turned on and, uh, we drove through town, kind of took our time waiting on Tony. And then we get to Tony's place and Tony's like, Hey, uh, I'm really hungry. I want to take you to, I want to take you to some place, a cool place called legends of lore. It's a pizza place. Um, he's a, it's like 15 minutes down the road and, and he looks at me and he goes, you can ride with me. And I was like, all right, cool. So, you know, 15 minutes down the road in Tennessee is more like 40 minutes down the road in South Bend. <laughs> so, cause it took a lot, way longer than 15 minutes to get there. But it was really nice because I got to sit in the, you know, it was just me and Tony in his truck. And, you know, we were talking, he was asking me questions and we were talking and it was, it was not like Tony's way up here and I'm way down here. He was talking to me like I was a peer. And uh, so we, we get to the pizza place. We have a really nice pizza. He buys all lunch and we drive back. I rode back with him again. We get to the studio and we walked in. And he says, man, it's really freaking hot in here. And I'm like, dude, I am freaking dying. I'm just, I'm melting away here. He's so he walks down the hallway and he turns the air conditioner up and he says, he's going to go do his, his recording with the cryptids of the corn guys. And Joel and I are going to wait before we do our big four hour, you know, group setting. And, uh, so I sit down on the floor up against the wall in the lobby of Tony's studio. And I get a text message that says, Hey, hon, I'm just checking in on you. If you're too hot, I can back off your little bit. I don't want to do it because I feel like he's right by you. Now that text message came from JJ Rose. How in the freak she recognized that I was too hot. Because apparently she agreed to, she calls it bubbling. She, she agreed. She, she wanted to bubble me on this trip because she felt that there was something negative that might interfere with me. So I did not know that the result of being bubbled was, was becoming overheated. But when she sent me that text, it really, it really kind of solidified for me that, you know, this whole time I'm like completely overheated. The temperature outside really didn't warrant it. The clothing I was wearing should, I should have been really comfortable. Um, and then she sends again, she sends the number two, two, two. And I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> You got to be more specific. And she says, I have no idea, but it's going to become relevant. So keep your eye open for it. So I was like, okay. And, uh, it became more relevant, um, at about two 30 in the morning after we had done this long four and a half hour recording. Um, we all sat there and tried to decipher, um, the events of the trip of my coming down there. Um, and we realized that Joel had been at that same exit with the cloud at two o'clock in the afternoon. 
and that the cryptids of the corn guys got there at four o'clock in the afternoon and that I had gotten to that position at six o'clock in the evening. So there was two hours, two hours and two hours, which, you know, the relevance of it, um, am I reading things into it? I guess you could say that. Um, but it was at that point where we all realized that, that we had been two hours apart from each other. Each one of us just sat up and looked at each other. Like that's weird. And then I said, because when I got that two, 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 uh, text message, I had said to Joel, I said, you need to see this because if this becomes relevant at some point tonight, I want somebody else to know that this was here. And he's like, he's like, sure enough, man. She sent that text that <laughs> two, two, two. And, uh, that, you know, that whole thing during the recording process, um, Joel, and it's weird because I talked to some of the other guys that were there and I felt like, I felt like there was a, there was a difference in the way Joel was responding to me during that interview, during that, that whole conversation. I felt like things were being directed at me and this isn't to talk bad about him or, or throw shade at him at all, because I don't mean it to be that way, but I was getting a very personal sense that whatever was acting on that group of people in that room that day th did not want to hear what I had to say, because my questions were more of, I wanted to figure out what was, what was causing these interferences. Was it, was it a, was it a good spirit that was trying to draw attention by doing this interference so people would listen to what he's saying because it's true? Was it a good spirit that was trying to draw attention to the stuff that he was saying because he was off base on it? Was it a negative energy that was trying to create a, a wow factor for people to pay attention to it because they didn't want what he was saying to be brought out? Or was it a negative energy that was saying, yeah, pay attention to what he's saying because it's misleading you because we're over here doing our shit over here and you're listening to this guy saying it's over here. Um, those were the, those were the questions that I wanted to get at. And, you know, unfortunately I don't think we ever, um, we didn't ever get to that. Um, but at one point, you know, I was, I was asking those questions and Joel seemed to be getting a little perturbed with me and, again, this incredible psychic gift that she has, she sends me a text message and says, what the hell is going on there? I feel like this thing is just sitting there spitting and hissing at me. And she's like, it's really getting angry. And it was all happening at the same time that he was being very belligerent with me during the conversation. And at one point I got frustrated. I pushed the microphone away from me. I kind of folded my arms up and I was, I was kind of like done, you know, I was like, I'm, every time I went to say something, I just felt like I was being pushed off for whatever, for whatever reason. Um, and you know, I don't know if it was just an energy in the room or if I don't know that it was, I'm not saying that it was anybody's agenda or anything like that. I, all those guys in that room, I love them. They're great guys. Um, but I had to excuse myself. I had a, I, just kind of basically muted my mic and I went and left the room to take a leak. 
and I'm standing there in front of the urinal and, and my phone goes off and it's her again. And she's like, what the hell happened? Why is the vibe different? And I was like, because I left the room, I'm in the bathroom taking a leak. And she's like, oh, that explains it. And it's like, you know, if, if somebody would have had a camera on me, that's the only way she would have been able to know the differences that were happening while this was going on, you know? And, and then I get this, uh, you know, I, I, I drive back home. What do you, how long do you think it takes me to get home on Sunday? Eight hours and 12 minutes. What it should have took for you to get down there. What it, yeah. what it should have took. So, you know, after that's all over and done with, I spent weeks, weeks trying to figure out where the hell this, this time went. And I was always thinking that I thought the, the cloud was the beginning of the weirdness. And it wasn't from the, from the water tower to the buckies should have taken me 37 minutes by GPS. It took me 40 from buckies to the, um, the Airbnb took me exactly the amount of time that it should have taken me from that part. Everything was square. What happened happened from me leaving the house to getting to exit 75. So that cloud that I saw was the end of something rather than the beginning of it. And when I, and when I look at that, something was keeping me from getting to the Airbnb when the lights were off. I don't know what the significance of that is, but after Tony and Christian saw that dark entity, scoot across the floor and go from behind the couch to behind my chair. There's something that tells me that there was going to be a, that it was going to, it was going to hop. It was going to, it was going to come after me. And for whatever reason and, and whatever way, by me not being there when I should have been, it kept that from happening. And I don't understand it, but I've played it out a bunch of different ways and everything else makes sense. So whatever slowed my progress down happened from the time I left the house till the time I got to Lexington. And honestly, I think that was spirit in the good sense, acting on my behalf to keep something from jumping to me. That's man. I got, I got so many questions. Um, <laughs> did, uh, the, the symbol, the, the triple yin yang sign. Did you, did you look that up to see if there was any significance to that? I tried looking, I tried looking that up so many times. And then all of a sudden during the course of watching the, um, the national news at one point, there was a summit that was going to take place on top of Mount Sinai with world leaders and the Pope. And I'm trying to find it here. Um, it was the interfaith center for sustainable development. And I will, I will copy that and I will send it to you guys on Instagram. Okay. Awesome. 
Oh, so you I was going to say, I, I feel like I've seen that image somewhere before. Now that I got a real, cl real clear picture of you describing it. That's the, that what I just sent you is the closest representation of, of that. But what I thought was really strange was, you know, that it had world religious leaders that were all going to be in attendance. And I don't know if it has anything to do with it or not. Um, but that is like the most accurate representation of the, of the three, three things that that cloud turned into. That's crazy. Did any, man. did any of the other guys experience any missing time? Nope. That you know of? No. Nope. Just you. Not at all. And it's the all other interesting thing is that nobody ever noticed what I felt was like a, aggressive, um, aggressive banter between me and, and Joel. Nobody else got that. Everybody else was like, what, what are you talking about? They didn't get it at all. That's weird. It's, it's almost like whatever he's got following, not attached, but following him knew that you had some, some sort of spiritual protection as well. Yeah. And kind of took that as a big threat as well. It like. You know, the whole thing is, you know, how, and, and this is going to, this is going to lead, this is going to lead in a couple of weird places because the whole the whole spiritual protection that I have. When I first got into contact with JJ Rose, you know, she had a very small, I think it was under, under 15 followers on, on, in, on uh, YouTube. All she does is just post verbal, like um, self-help tools as far as, you know, bubbling yourself and how to keep, you know, keep positive energy around you, how to dispel negative energy, stuff like that. You know, just like personal grooming habits for having a good, strong spiritual armament. And when I asked her to be on the show, I said, I want to do a show about spiritual fortification and armament. How can we equip ourselves to, to combat negative things, not just negative energies, but, you know, negative people and energy suckers and energy vampires, you know, whatever you want to call them, how can we, you know, so that's what we did our episode about. And that's how we developed our friendship is, you know, after 10 minutes of talking to her on the phone, um, I felt like I'd known her my entire life. Um, so, you know, with her ability to help protect me, on top of the spiritual fortification that I felt I already had. Um, I think, I think that I think that's why I came out of that whole situation clean. Um, but then, <laughs> um, I have, I have somebody reach out to me after hearing the Nephilim portal babies thing. And, we'll call this person dude. Um, because Eric, dude, real quick, real quick, before you get too far carried ahead. Yeah. I did have one question. Yeah. Um, you, you were talking about the shadow entity that was seen moving from behind Tony yeah. into where your chair was. You, now you said, and, and I, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You said it was a small entity, correct? Yes. Yep. 
Here's shorter, short, like like below below the back of a couch level. Okay. Here is some very odd synchronicity, my friend. Okay. This weekend we recorded two episodes, right? And because that, that's just how we kind of were forced to do it. I'm not kidding you. The first episode, which aired yesterday, involved a man having contact with what he calls what he call that because it was give there's two different names. He oh man, I cannot remember what he called it. Is what he called it like a little elf off. Harry Potter or something. Can't remember the exact Bobby. phrase. Yes, Bobby. that's it. That's yeah. it. I listened okay. to it. Yeah. Okay. So there's that. The very next episode we record right afterwards. Steve randomly pulls an email, pulls it up for the listener experience, which this will air next Monday for us, but for everybody else, it'll be the past Monday. Uh and the submission is literally on what the the woman can describe as shadow imp. Little shadow creature throwing a temper tantrum in the house all over a, a TV being off. So I just thought that was very weird that here we are today. Yeah. This will literally be three for three episodes <laughs> involving what I, I like to call now a shadow imp. Yeah. That's a good name. I like it. It's I hope it sticks. Yes, that that is and that that credit goes to Autumn from our Discord. I think that she's the one that called it a shadow imp and I'm like I freaking love that name. Yeah, that's <laughs> badass. That's perfect. Yeah. So through all of this I get a I get a listener that reaches out to me who references first listening to the four and a half hour ultra freaking marathon that was the Nephilim portal babies and says, says some really nice things about the episode says some really nice things about, you know, um, listening to my show, how I, how I seem to be, um, one of the, one of the lesser few that really seem to care about the people that are on their shows. And, you know, if there's a chance for you to help them, that you help point them in the right direction and that you're not condescending and that you're not ambushing them or, you know, just basically using them as fodder for your, your, uh, your listens and then never have anything to do with them again. And I've, I've, that's a one one of the hugest things about having done this show is I have developed so many incredible relationships with people. I absolutely did not expect this when I started doing this show and it is by far become the best part of doing this is because there are some fucking great people out there. You know, there really are. Um, Agreed. I absolutely I love that aspect of doing this. Um, and as long as I have enough time in the day to talk to each and every one of them, I will continue to do it until I don't have a voice left. Um, but, you know, dude, dude gets a hold of me and um, 
I'm, I'm going to refer to dude as dude because dude does not want um, any of this coming back on him. And there's, I, I guess, there, there's good, good reason for it. Let's just leave it at that. Um, so dude, you know, is, is blowing some, blowing some sunshine up my ass about, you know, how, how nice the, the show is and, you know, um, basically makes the statement that, um, that dude feels that I'm, I'm brought into this because of my voice and, I wasn't quite sure what dude meant by that, but dude goes on to say, you know, your voice in, in two senses, one, the literal sense that your voice brings, um, you know, rather than being uncomfortable, it makes people feel very comfortable and draws them in and, and gives people a, a reason to listen to you. And then, your voice as far as being a platform to let people come on and tell their experiences so other people can hear and, and draw from their experiences what they need to. So both in the literal and the figurative sense of having a voice. And I was like, wow, that was, that's pretty damn profound, you know, and I never looked at it that way, but I have had a lot of people comment on my voice. You know, it's just, it's one of those things. I mean, uh, and even, even at the beginning of the show, I was never, there's no ego involved with this. I was, I never even introduced myself as Eric Salagi. That hasn't happened until like, you know, the last six months or so. I, I always introduce myself as I'm your host and this is uncomfortable. You know, it, it wasn't about me. I'm not an important aspect of the show. I'm just facilitating getting your message out to other people that might help. Um, but dude starts telling me about, uh, basically asked me if I've ever listened to hollow sky. <laughs> and, and I said, I said, you know, I'll be honest with you. I said, I've heard the name for, for quite a while because you guys are getting big. And I said, but I've only listened to a couple of episodes. One of them was, uh, the, the binary code, because I thought that was really interesting. And I have, like I told you, I was really big into the UFO stuff. So the whole Rendlesham forest incident where the guy touched the, the UFO and he had a download of binary code. Um, so that was a really interesting one. And then from whatever way I found out about it, I started hearing about the egress industries and, I had gone back and I'd listened to your episodes on it. And then I had, I'd found another episode. I think it was still on your show, but it was another guy who was getting phone calls from egress to his and dude says, um, I've got some information that I think maybe you should get to these guys. And I'm like, well, you know, here's the really weird thing because I just like in the last two weeks got a review left for me on Apple podcast and it was a, it was a wonderful review said that they were introduced to me by somebody down at a dog man conference 
and uh, they've been listening to the show. They like it, and we need to do a collab soon. And I said, it was signed Hollis guy. <laughs> I said, so it, it's really kind of weird that out of all the things that you could be talking to me about, you'd bring up Hollis guy. And now you've got information that you want me to give to Hollis guy. And dude says that dude had like tried to contact you guys through multiple platforms, email, Instagram, and I think even through Patreon that like, I think in total 17 different attempts to get a wow. hold of you to get you information. And none of them ever got a reply. So dude was like, I don't know what the F is going on. You know, either they're ignoring me or they think I'm crazy or you know, they're just not interested or, you know, this is all, you know, they're not taking it seriously. I don't need, I don't even know. So, so I, we start having a conversation and dude says it can basically clear up for you the question of whether or not egress has got something to do with the three letter agency. And I said, all right, those, you know, it's, it's pretty strong words. You know, I mean, what, what have we, what have we got here? So dude suggests that, uh, that you and, and myself watch a documentary called third, third eye spies. And when I started watching it, it had dawned on me that I had already seen it before um, at some point, probably within the last year. Um, but I watched it again just to kind of get a refresher on everything that was going on. And uh, dude says that there's a number of things in there that are relative to pointing you in the direction of not necessarily exactly at, but kind of a parallel to where egress is stemming from. And so dude says he has an experience with actually calling the happy Valley number. And the conversation is had ends up calling the happy Valley number and talks about a specific dream. It gets called back. Well, dude has, has some relation to some three letter agencies. and can call on those relations to confirm some things. So when dude gets a call back from egress, the, the area code doesn't make sense. Dude says that 
they're not from the area of the Happy Valley um, flyer that they called the number to. And dudes asked, well, are you open to us broadcasting directly to you? And dude's like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. <laughs> so, so, um, over the, over the course of a few days, dude has some really, some really weird dreams. Um, in both dreams, the people are dressed in like white, um, almost like, uh, hazmat suits only there's no hoods um they're just like white body suits that are kind of not very form fitting um recognizes that in each of the dreams there doesn't seem to be the use of electricity anywhere there's no lights on there's no uh, nothing that looks like it's being run electrically um almost at first thought it was like some kind of like a post-apocalyptic something or other um, said some people in the, in the dream seem to be completely out of aware of dude's presence and other people in the dream seem to be very aware of dude's presence. Um, dude has the presence of mind to ask relations with the three late three letter agencies to take a look at the phone number that, that was calling and come to find out, even though the area code was nowhere near where dude was, the, like, dude says, basically, they can tell you the store that the cell phone was bought in. That's, that's how deep their, their dive can go. Damn. Dude says they get the information back on the number and the information on the number is registered to a property that is less than two blocks away from dude's house. And when you look at that property that it's registered to, it is an open lot. There is no house there. There is no building there. It is an open lot. Um, now dude says, look up egress industries, <laughs> Google it. So I did, I can't find anything. Dude says, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean you're looking at it right now? Dude says when this all first started happening, he Googled it and it came up as a software communications that specialized in decrypted communications, but was specific only to the US, UK, and Australian governments as clients. Dude tells me exactly what to Google 
to get this to pull up. And it pulls up. Dude's reading what is on dude's screen. And it's not matching with what's on my screen at all. We're both on iPhones. We're both, we both Googled the same exact capitalizations and lowercase and spaces exactly the same. Dude's looking at something entirely different than I am. Then dude tells me, let's try this. I also put it into the Wayback Machine. You guys familiar with the Wayback Machine? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So dude says, go here, do this, put in this, put in that. Click on this, this date, this screenshot, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't come up for me. No responses. Dude's like, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good with computer stuff. I'm not an idiot. Um, and I'm not getting anything that is even close to representing what dude's looking at on dude's screen, which is weird, right? Very weird. Yeah. Why, why would dude be able to see things that I can't? Yeah. That's my number one question right now. Then dude says now the website for egress industries is completely different than what it was when dude looked at it the first time. And that those indications of only being governmental communication decryption stuff is not there anymore. So the website has changed. How does it change so fast? I don't know. See, here's, here's this, how I got roped into all this is beyond me because I'd listened to maybe five of your podcasts in total. And that's no disrespect or, or, no. you know, I we, mean, we know how it is. Yeah. You just, there's times where I just can't listen. Yeah. You know, yeah. sometimes I just got to step away from it. I'm doing it on my own. And yeah. you know, there, there's times where I'm like, I don't want to listen to other podcasts because I don't want to start adopting the same way, the, the same style as somebody else. I don't yeah. want to start, you know, trying to, you know, unconsciously start doing the same format. Um, but then there's other times where it's like, you know, I really, I love podcasts, so I got to listen, you know, but it, it seems really fucking weird to me that of the, of the four or five that I have listened to you, three of them have been about egress. Yeah. And I've, I'm telling you, as far as the egress story goes, when I first heard it, it, it was very similar. Um, the, the visceral experience of hearing that, that audio was very similar to the same feeling that I got from watching Hellier, the documentary from, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and what I mean by that is that Hellier hooked me, man. It hooked me hard and it sucked me in. I could not wait for the next episode. But I was, I was always kind of like, if this is just a story that somebody wrote, man, they should get every freaking award that there is because 
the way they wove the story together and the the little things that didn't seem like they meant anything end up meaning a shit ton a lot you know it, it was just and that was the same feeling when i listened to that whole egress story i was like man i was freaking hooked but that's all i ever listened to you know and then i caught that one other episode you had some guy on who had calls coming to his I don't even remember what his name was, Mark or Mike or something like that, maybe. And, uh, you know, I mean, you guys, I knew who you were as far as being on my radar, but you were not on my radar as far as, you know, are we going to collaborate, you know? And then all of a sudden I get a, I get a, a review from you guys. And then dude pops up, dude pops up after hearing the Nephilim portal babies swap cast thing. And is like, you know, all about telling me like, like almost immediately, you know, after, you know, blowing a little bit of sunshine up my ass starts telling me about the experience with egress. Yeah. We, we had a listener at the Dogman conference as, as you mentioned before, come up to us and like, Hey, I love the show, you know, which is, I mean, we didn't have any, any indicators that we were who we were to begin with, but this guy recognized us right off the rip and probably not five minutes into the conversation. He's like, you need to check out this podcast. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm always open to suggestions and he pops it up and he's like, it'll be right up your alley. It'll be right up your alley. I'm like, so I, I bookmarked it on my phone and went about my business, you know, whatever I'm driving to work one day, I flip on one of your shows. I'm going to do it. I'm like, all right, cool. I, I dig, I dig what this dude's doing. So I just pop on and I leave your review. I'm like, Hey, we should, we should, uh, hook up hook up at some time you know and yeah collaborate and then sure enough you're it's it was like it was almost <laughs> it's it's almost okay there's when you get me started on egress yeah whole, i know exactly whole, where you're going because it's a whole different mind's at it's a whole different beast here all right <laughs> so uh first thing that i want to touch on is that we were the the flyers that were happy valley and the flyer that is egress are two different flyers, right? Egress mm-hmm. was in Austin. And I even asked egress if they were connected to Happy Valley. And they said no. Right. So up to this point, I had always trust. I don't know why. I don't know why the fuck I did. But I always trusted as to what they were saying as to be the truth. I, I was in the camp that like they hadn't given me a reason not to believe what they were saying. Yeah. And... I had always kept those two things completely separate, but the, the uh, other episode you're talking about where we interviewed the podcaster, right? Mm-hmm. He, um, he had a run in with happy Valley prior to ever getting involved with egress. Oh. So he, he had been followed. He says by the, by the, this happy Valley crew and, and like heavy, deep shit. And then after that, egress kind of comes into place. And yeah. to to wrap to wrap this around was that we didn't know that this other podcaster had was was doing anything uh anything on any of these flyers or anything until out of nowhere somebody on Reddit comments, sends me a message on the hollow sky page. And at the same time, somebody sends him a message on his podcast, Reddit page 
that link us together. And and then on that note, once once we circled back around and got to looking into it, it was almost like whatever this thing is was almost pitting us against this other podcaster, like like a, a loyalty test. Yeah. They wanted we didn't even bring this out. We didn't we didn't make this known at all because at the time, like we're we're small fish right right and the last thing we need to do is start butting heads with other people in the community so and so and they wanted us to go on and call essentially call him out call him a liar call him this yeah. that and the other put put a show out just just throwing shade and i'm like no we're not that's that's we're not about that life right right that's not that's not what we're into and it was almost like that was a test of loyalty to them as to how far they could they could manipulate us and when I when we were like no, then it's like like almost all the information just dried up, just yeah. just got sucked out of the air. It was the number that you would call would it had a voicemail that would pick up, and it's this weird. You I'm sure you've heard it, but it mm-hmm. changed over time. Yeah. Certain words uh, changed. Like man, I can't remember. Uh, something was changed to agents like instead of just uh if you call oh it changed from operators to agents which was fucking weird that was the only thing that changed which was strange and now now the number's completely gone it's it's a totally different uh it goes to somebody else's google voice or yeah. voip number and then like we had all this going on. We were getting pulled in so many different directions. We just didn't know where to go and what, what, like, like I said before that at one point, the only person I could trust was Kyle yeah. because so many different people right. were, then we were getting uh, coordinates to Somerset, Kentucky. And then the, the actual egress number has a area code in Tennessee, but it's found on a single solitary flyer in a subdivision in austin and it's just all this then we had numbers from washington dc calling us and texting us we had all these weird uh profiles on twitter that were that were messaging us with all this cryptic bullshit and it was just we couldn't catch ourselves coming or going yeah because we didn't have any idea and the whole time, like I'm using my burner phone to contact this thing because I don't want it to know who the fuck I am. And then it starts referring to me by my name. And I'm yeah. like, well, why the fuck did I buy this burner phone? Because they already know who I am. Yeah. And like I said, at that time, our, our podcast reach was not anything. No. In 2020, especially in the beginning of 2020, no reach, like hardly at all. Like people, our friends and family listened to the show. And that was like, <laughs> that was like it. So, so the fact that they were tuned in, like, I just, it just doesn't, it didn't make any sense that they, they would know who we are Yeah. and how we got roped into it. I like that flyer was not put there for us. Right. I'm a hundred percent on board with that. That flyer was put there for one specific person in that subdivision. I don't, I don't know what the outcome or what the purpose is. But it was put there for somebody that wasn't us. I just managed to stumble on it on some stupid fucking Reddit post. And I'm like, oh, that'll make good internet. Let me call it. And then it just opened this whole can of worms. Well, you know, dude and I had a conversation about, you know, what what would be the 
what would be the purpose for this? You know, what, what's the, what's the potential end game of, of being able to, to broadcast to somebody in their dream, you know, so we had, we've had, we've had several conversations about this and it goes fucking deep. Um, you know, dudes, dude's dad was a spook for the company. Dude's godfather was a head of the FBI during the time that Patty Hearst was found and liberated from her captors. And again, if you go and you you watch Third Eye Spies, you'll see that the use of remote viewers, fucking remote viewers, were what what found Patty Hearst. Psychic remote viewers. You know, and remote viewing is is nothing new to the United States military and government. They've been using it for years, and it was it was backed by millions of dollars um, during the late '60s and into the I think even early '90s when they said that they disbanded the the whole operation. But we all know that you know it just moves. They say they close something down, it just moves to the next door, the next office, yeah. and then they take back up and you know they use it for their. Uh, but you know, so we talk about, you know, like what, what would be, what could you do if you could accurately broadcast to somebody in their sleep, you know, and, and I, you know, okay. Say, you know, and these, these broadcasts seem to be regional, right? They're, 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 they're hitting regional areas to find out if people have are having weird dreams and if they call that number and they tell them about their dreams in dude's case they call back and they say hey are you open to um because dude called the happy valley thing and dude didn't live anywhere near happy valley and they said would you be open to us broadcasting directly to you that's fucked up and then within two weeks flyers start showing up in dude's hometown See, another thing is, is the original Egress flyer didn't mention dreams. It didn't mention dreams at all. I I pulled it up here. I got saved to my phone. I'll read it again. Uh, it says, strange, see something, say something. If you remember things differently from how it was, have ever found repeating numbers or words, have ever experienced deja vu or miracles, know the existence of any greater entity, have good, bad, or any luck of any kind. Hear voices that will never be real. See things that should not be. Have a distrust of mirrors or are drawn to caverns. Please contact. And it's the number. Mm. So when I ask them, I'm like, are you are you in any way connected to the Dream Flyers? They said, we, we are not connected to the Dream Flyers. So at that point, I kind of just took it for what it was that they were not connected. Since looking like looking back, they didn't really mention anything about dreams, but they did mention all this other weird phenomenon. Yeah. 
So, you know, dude and I have conversations. It's like, what could you accomplish if you could broadcast and essentially plant thoughts or visions or agendas or so if if you if you get a number of people that are willing participants and you you go through and you weed out the ones that are not giving you the feedback that is accurate you know you're weeding out the people that are just calling up saying oh i had a dream about this was that your broadcast and they're like fuck no that wasn't the broadcast um but then you do get the people that do then now you have a, a selected target right you've got a you've got a group of people collectively throughout the country that you can that you can target with specific things and so what if what if Oregon what if Portland area cuz that's where the the happy valley was right Portland yes okay what if you get a bunch of people that respond to that flyer and you find eight or 10, maybe 12 people who are responding to your, your dreams with giving you information that lets you know that they are accurate, accurately receiving your broadcast. Could you, could you then implant the idea into a number of people to say, decide to organize and overthrow a local city government like what they did in Portland. Could you create, could you create basically psychic assassins who with a trigger word or a certain phrase, um, something very much akin to um, what people, you know, MK ultra mind control type stuff. Um, maybe, maybe this is a, 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 a big brother to that program. Man, I don't know. You know, Manchurian candidates. Yeah. You know, I just, I pe- just look people that back. are people that are experiencing training in their brain that they don't even know they're going through to be called upon at what through, through a broadcast, we, we have a number of different things in our homes that broadcast to us daily. You know, you can get a broadcast through your telephone. You can get broadcast through your computer. You can get a broadcast through your, your television set. You don't even need to be connected to um, the internet or, or have cable. All you have to do is have an antenna. That's how television was broadcast for years and years. <laughs> you know, that's how radio stations get. That's how you listen to music in your house over an antenna from a a radio wave that's broadcasted. You know, if they've developed a way to get that information to your brain without having, without having to go through, I mean, the, the implications of being able to do something like that are staggering. Could you induce, could you induce enough people in each state to just, become so scared of your government that you would never even think about rising up against some atrocities that, that may start to happen. 
Could uh, you control? My, could you control law enforcement to go and start doing things that were just completely like kneeling down on somebody's throat and killing them in the street while people were were filming it, so that it would get a broadcast across televisions and create divisiveness between us that we've that is already there, just making it more and more to keep us at each other. Because if we're all at each other. Their job is freaking easy, man. Yep. Yep. You know, so, you know, hopefully I've, hopefully I've given you enough, enough background with what dude said that, um, dude's dive into this was, was a little bit more than what I think the average person would be capable of oh, doing. Yeah. yeah. And then I also wondered when we were putting out the episodes and we were going on the shows, we're essentially playing the voicemail over and over and over. And we played yeah. it on Tony's show who was infinitely bigger than we are. So it yeah. got broadcast to thousands and thousands of people. Then we played it on uh tinfoil hat, same Tripoli show, which was, even bigger than that and it played out to thousands and thousands and thousands of people yeah and i'm like is it some like did we did we fuck up playing that playing that for everybody you know like was that was that kind of an end goal was that why they changed the voicemail maybe maybe once it started picking up steam did they put something in that second voicemail that we're starting to play all over the place and once it hit like its peak maximum as to however many people they wanted it to fall on, fell on, then they just they just pulled the voicemail. I don't I don't know, man. Now, now I'm like circling back around on these other flyers because in my head I had them separate. And now I'm wondering if they're all tied together again. I don't know. Well, realistically, if you looked at them like that. One of them could have been phase one. Egress yeah, could have been phase two. They, I just, I just pulled them up. The one from Portland was the Willamette Valley Dream Survey from 2015. Happy Valley was in Utah where they started finding the flyers. That's right. Yeah. In 2020. And that's then, what dude said. It was Utah. Yeah. And Egress was 2019 in Austin. And they used a lot of the same communication too, because I vaguely had conversation with dude and I was given images of conversations and I'm like, man, some of the, some of the language here is relatively similar to the language used with the egress. Cause egress had a very particular yeah. verbiage that they would use. Yeah. And that initially was what struck us odd we're like man they, they're choosing very specific words and normal people in everyday conversation doesn't they don't use they don't use yeah, those words and it's not in today's world it's interesting that you that dude keeps using like and the correlation between happy valley you keep using the term broadcast yeah because that was the same word that stuck out when egress was talking to yeah. us when when i ask him i'm like you guys are you guys fucking with us and they're like, no, we haven't sent anybody to sit in on your broadcast or, or something like that. Man, it's it's exactly. like yet. We haven't sent anybody yeah. yet. Yet. 
And they said, don't trust anybody who you don't see a badge. Yeah, they did tell us that. Because I'm like, how do we know who is a who's official? And they they said, if it doesn't come directly from this number, um, the only other way to know that they are part of what Egress is is if they show you a badge. So it's, I don't know. It's, it's forever a, a big mystery, man. And I know... I know specifically there'll be at least one person that doesn't like this conversation, but because people, some people get tired of hearing it. And uh, for me, it's, it's kind of comical because how are you going to get to the bottom of things if you don't continue to go forward? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And the only reason why this, this is coming up is because, you bring it up to us. You know, you you were given information to yeah. forward on to us. Yeah. And we have to chase. What we do. I mean, it. it's what like we said, do. Egress could message my phone right now and give me an address and I would head there this weekend. Plain and simple. It's weird, man. It's weird. And like, uh, I don't know if this could be significant to dude. Um, and the, Dude might have listened to the way I've described things, maybe not. But I've told several people, I even had off off the air conversation. Me and Steve got to sit down with Charlie from Tony's show. And I'm like, man, I'm telling you right now, like when we were dealing with all this stuff, we felt I, I, I did. I don't know if Steve did or not, but I felt connected to something. Like a it is this weird internal connection. And and once then the it got pulled out from underneath us and started to dissipate. I could literally feel that connection fading. And I even I even ended up texting Egress and I, I I asked him, I said, why when we were in conversation with one another did I feel connected to something? And they never responded. It was after they pulled the plug with us and would just refuse to talk. But I threw it out there. I'm like, fuck it, I'm just gonna ask them. And they never did end up responding but i don't know it was bizarre it was it was super bizarre there was a while i was messaging messaging them every day trying to get a response just throwing anything to the wall that would stick and after after like what i call the loyalty test and they i think they realized that they weren't manipulating us as much as they thought they could they just lost interest it's possible. I mean, you know, you don't get the desired re- results you want from from a lab, and you you dump you know tens of thousands of dollars into this lab to to come up with some substantial results, and you give a, a certain amount of time. They don't get the results they were looking for, and they pull your funding and move on on to the next thing. Because they said they said there were <laughs> stages. There were stages that you moved on to. And if you move to the next phase, you would know. And I, I was trying to dig into that. How do I, how do I know if we move to the next phase? And they're like, you'll know, you'll know. So there might still be trials and tribulations of egress going on that we are not privy to anymore. I don't know. It's fucking weird. It is yeah. weird. So I don't know if I, I levied any information for you guys that was oh it's 
it's it, it makes me want to circle back and go through everything again. That's what it does. And we will. Yeah. We will eventually. Oh. Carving out the time. Everybody knows how hard it is. It's the never-ending chase. Yeah. Never-ending <laughs> uh, chase that is Egress Industries. Absolutely. Well, for me, it validates the three-letter agency. So it's kind of what I've suspected for quite some time. Just never had the proof. And I guess uh, if I have anything else to say, um, trust in the dude. I was, was going to say that. I, yes, I, I will. Trust in the uh, dude. I like that. <laughs> well, I'll be putting a lot of faith in dude. And I, it's, it's much appreciated. Like, it's not, I mean, you know how it is. Yeah, you, we don't take walk, we don't walk, take that lightly. No, you walk this. We all we as as these voices, as you so say, we walk these lines now. You know, we, we walk these lines and we we dig around in places we're probably not supposed to. And every single freaking ally that you can muster along the way is greatly appreciated. That's <laughs> you know what I mean. And no we all have. It's cool to it's cool to have guys like you in our camp. That we can sit here and even if it's just brainstorming, hanging out, brainstorming or something. I mean, sometimes you need that outside perspective on things. Yeah. You so know, you get answers is ask a bunch of different questions. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are not that far from me. Is that correct? Where are you at? South Bend, Indiana. Uh, we, oh, no, not at all. No, <laughs> we're pretty. Yeah, we're pretty close. We're just we're on the east or wow, the western side of Illinois, just north of St. Louis. Yeah. So yeah, not so. not too too long of a hop, skip, and a jump. No, maybe we'll have to uh, put together an in studio at some point. That would be awesome. Uh, yeah, that would be sick. That would be awesome, for sure. Well, man, if you it's, wanna if you wanna tell everybody again where where we can find you. One more time. All right, Remind uncomfortable podcast. Uncomfortable podcast. Uh, there's there's several uncomfortables out there uh, with varying different. So the best thing, if you search on any of your, uh, podcast listening apps, uncomfortable, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, that'll pull it right up it's black and white logo with a lowercase U and uppercase N. Um, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, both at uncomfortable podcast 65. Um, I'm on, I'm on everything, Spotify, Apple, every caster you can think of. So, uh, just having a ball doing this and love meeting people like you guys and awesome fostering new relationships and new friendships and just treating everybody right that's the that's the main goal and i don't plan on changing anytime soon so good good all right hollow cult if that's your call roll over and uh show the uncomfortable pods some love please please I've been linking it on uh, Facebook and Twitter. If you guys want to get on there, I've been tagging them. That's that's where you go to find it. There, we can put your links in the show notes as well. So, all right, check us out at all our socials. Like I said before, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Reddit, and Discord. So until we meet again, Hollow Cult and uncomfortable listeners, stay safe out there. Stay weird. And trust in the dude. Trust in the dude. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. 
by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.